Hello, and welcome back to Two Bars, Tools, and a Knife, talking about the hospitality industry then, now, and in the future. From FIU Chaplain School of Hospitality and Tourism Management and the Bacardi Center of Excellence, I'm Professor Nathan Dodge, joined by the venerable Professor Brian Connors, and last but not least, Chef John Noble Massey. Hello, gentlemen. Hey. Hello, Dodgy. We are going to have a shipload of fun today. Yes, sensors, I said a shipload of fun. That's because we're cruising along a different itinerary. You know, we've got a lot of peer pressure, but sooner or later, you knew we were going to talk to somebody in the cruise industry in a day's today. These jokes are killing me. <laughs> okay. I think, I think we're going to have a hull of a time talking. Hang on. The, the crickets are still going in the background. Yeah. Let the crickets yeah. go. Okay, let remember. My, let my puns keep going. So let's dock Try the veal and remember to tip your waitresses and bartenders, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, please. Before we hop off this poop deck and go overboard, Brian, why don't you idle over and get the scuttlebutt of what is going on in Bacardi land? Oh, my God. You're worse than Andy Cohen. Follow that, Connors. Right. Yeah. Follow that. Oh, I can, on. I can, I can. Uh, Lincoln, we apologize in advance on this one. Hey, so real quick, uh, Bacardi update and all things that are going on with the Bacardi of Excellence program. Uh, again, real happy to announce on August 6th, please save the date. Invitations and the registration links are out currently on LinkedIn and other social media outlets. But Elizabeth Plow uh, from Las Vegas, uh, from Frame Restaurant Tour with Steve Wynn, as well as the Cirque and Cherko and the Marcioni family. Uh, so we're really looking forward to have Elizabeth joining us. And there will be a few special guests as well. Um, also got the update today on Bacardi Teach. You know, I'm always amazed, guys, on how well Bacardi Teach is going. You know, I know we launched it quick to help people out during these very challenging times. But um, as of today, there are 1,150 courses taken. And one of the interesting stats that uh, Professor Dale Gomez sent over is we have about 1,000 visits a day. So a thousand people a day are going to the site and checking it out. And we got some of these great statistical reports today on that. And remember, there's uh, new stuff coming out. We actually had a meeting today on our next phase of Bacardi Teach and some of the sections for Bacardi Pro for our seasons mixologists, but as well as some of our basic mixologies coming out as well. So all things that are going really, really well with Bacardi Land. So there we go. So should we get this thing going and talk about uh, the cruise industry? What do we think? Absolutely. Yes. All right. So good. So I have the pleasure of introducing uh, Vice President of Culinary Dining and Beverage. And by the way, gentlemen, if you didn't know, our guest today is also South Florida's 40 Under 40 uh, for Recognizable by the South Florida Business Journal. And we want to welcome Lincoln DeSouza. How are you doing from Royal Caribbean International? How are you, sir? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. Hey, Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Pleasure meeting you all. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And uh, so just a quick little background to get everyone in the mindset here of our conversation with Lincoln. Royal Caribbean, as you know, is home base here in South Florida in Miami, currently 26 ships within the fleet. Uh, Lincoln leads tens of thousands of food and beverage professionals as he leads up that team. Uh, Lincoln, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm counting you have over 47 different concepts currently in the fleet. Is that about right? Yeah, I've lost count. Yeah, know, it's probably it, it might be. I mean, I think it might be more, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably at least forty-seven. That's right. Yeah, and not including nightlife, which is uh, twenty different concepts of light night concepts and all that stuff that's going on. And Royal Caribbean International is a just shy of eleven billion dollar company in revenue. So if you start talking about the magnitude of what's going on in the cruise industry, so we're going to get into our conversation with Lincoln. Hey, but Lincoln, before we get going into the nuts and bolts of 
the cruise industry. We want to learn a little bit more about you, man. So uh, I know we had a brief conversation before the show, though, but love to hear a little bit more about your background, uh, particularly in the hospitality space. And, and hey, man, how did you land this great job you got now? Yeah, you know, let me let me start telling you a little bit about myself and my background. I, I grew up in Dubai. My parents are originally from India. And when I when I turned 17, I was horrible in school, um, in high school. And my parents thought I was going to, you know, be a bum. And I came up to them and I said, hey, I've decided to go to hospitality school. And for a minute, they thought that they had, uh, that I had proved them right. Anyway, um, so... It, it was quickly followed by them bringing in friends from the industry into our living room to sit down and tell me what a horrible decision I was making going into the hospitality business, the hours, the work, the low pay, uh, all, all of those, you know, scenarios played out. And once that happened and I explained to them that I had really made up my mind as it was something I really wanted to do, they said, okay, that's what you're going to do. We're going to make sure you do it right. And so I had the opportunity to go to Switzerland. My parents, um, you know, helped me uh, go to school and, and I chose to go and uh, pursue my dream, learning hospitality from some of the best at a, a, a small vocational hospitality school called the Hotel Institute of Montreux um, on, on the waters of Lake Geneva. Beautiful experience. I lived in Switzerland for six years, worked at a variety of hotels and restaurants um, in Geneva and around the lake there in, in the French part of Switzerland. At that time, my brother and sister had, had moved to Canada and um, I had uh, my immigration status to move to Canada. And so I, I moved to Canada and started working uh, within the hotel business, running the uh, food and beverage operations at a hotel in downtown Toronto, um, which is now the Hyatt and King in Toronto. SARS, the last pandemic hit, uh, the country and Canada was especially impacted uh, due to the high Asian population living in Toronto at the time. And the industry really got hit pretty hard, very similar to what we're seeing today in hospitality as well. And um, the hotel business dropped, you know, to 20, 10, 20% occupancy. And at that time I was looking for a new opportunity. You know, I could see the writing on the wall that it was going to take uh, time for the business really to come back. And, and, you know, that, that opportunity didn't see a lot of growth. And at that time, a, a company came knocking that I'd never heard of, believe it or not, at that time in Canada was Darden. And they had an opportunity to be a frontline restaurant manager at one of their restaurants, the Red Lobster concept, which frankly, you know, it may seem odd to folks from the U.S., but I had never heard of before because I had just moved to the country. And so I said, sure, you know, it looked like an interesting opportunity. What I liked about it was this opportunity to go in and, and be able to work in the front of the house and work in the kitchen and, you know, work because it had all the three different positions as a front of, front of, of house manager. And so I started with them about a year into it. I realized that I could stop being a fool and make a career out of working for what was, was really an amazing company in our business and can really teach you the nuts and bolts of restaurant operations. Um, and so about three years later, I became a general manager for one store uh, for them in, in the Toronto market. And, um, you know, at that point, I had worked in all three areas of the restaurant. I really understood what it meant to run the financials. I understand, you know, ordering back of the house operations. And one of the things that Darden does exceptionally well and Red Lobster does exceptionally well is they have amazing systems, standards and processes. And there's the consistency that they create and how if you follow the systems and standards that are, that they have, the finished product's always going to be the same or, or pretty damn close. 
And so I learned how to really commercialize business and make sure that the business, you, you can deliver a consistent product. So, you know, that's probably the most important thing in food service operations, is delivering consistency. And so um, I, I quickly uh, went from running a single unit, you know, one of the key things is delivering great results. And I, you know, I've been blessed that I chose the right profession and I led the, a great team to delivering some of the best results in the business. And soon after I became the director of operations for Western Canada, overseeing all of the restaurants in the Western Canadian provinces. So I lived in, I moved out to Calgary and oversaw the restaurants in all the Western provinces of Canada. 18 months later, I was promoted to managing director for the Canadian division, overseeing the Canadian restaurants. And then uh, about a year later, I took over all of the all of the restaurants on the east coast of the United States as well as Canada. So at my at the high point, I, I oversaw about 120 restaurants across the east coast of Canada and uh, sorry, of all of Canada and the east coast of the United States. And then I I got a call from Royal Caribbean. I had many opportunities to leave and move to other restaurant concepts in my time with Darden. But honestly, I, it was a great company to work for. I was well looked after. I enjoyed my experience and learned a lot while I was there and loved the company. But when Royal Caribbean came knocking, it was such a unique opportunity to really go into the business and, and do some, uh, have the ability to oversee the entire operation from culinary beverage operations, really from concept to partnerships to how the business operates. Uh, and it was really intriguing to me. In fact, I had never ever been on a cruise ship prior to starting with Royal Caribbean. And so for me, it was completely out of the blue and kind of new. But I think, you know, as I came into Miami and met with the team here, I really got to understand what they were working on. I was blown away. Um, And so, you know, I was privileged to have that opportunity to interview. Um, I must have impressed them because, you know, I I got called back for a second round, um, which went from what was supposed to be two interviews to like, I don't know, 20 interviews. And so... You know, I felt really good leaving that day. And, and soon after, I made the decision to come and, and join the, the organization. And it has been, you know, a hell of a roller coaster being here to almost three years now and opened 18 concepts in, in three years and, you know, launched one of the coolest destinations in, in Coco Cay in the Bahamas. So it's been a really interesting journey for me. Um, and it's been kind of interesting moving from Canada to Miami as well, quite a different uh, environment. So it's been a, a, a pretty crazy year all around. The, uh, the weather here is certainly a lot better, uh, Link, you know, at least from our view as, as no, the president. Mine, mine too. Mine too. The, yeah. the ironic part, though, guys, is that when I started consulting for Celebrity Cruise Lines 10 years ago, I've never been on a cruise ship myself either. And uh, my first day on there, I, I was like, oh, my God. But Link and I agree with you 100%. Probably some of my best memories were launching the Solstice class ships, uh, launching all these new concepts from cuisine to the gastro pub was the last one I did and a few other ones, but there was just, you know, the, and I think your background fits in beautifully because in the cruise industry, it's all about systems. You know, there is an SOP for everything because there has to be. And I know that's all, you know, we can have an hour long conversation just on that, but Hey, Johnny, I'll throw it over to you, sir. Cause I know we were talking about multi-unit. I, I just think yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. I, I, we have, well, in, cl- in school, we're, we're talking with students all the time about self-awareness and trying to figure out what they want and help them make career decisions. And I know working with a large national brand like Darden had to be a really interesting experience. What was your favorite thing that you enjoyed about in working with, with Darden from that experience? Yeah, I would say to anybody who wants to get in this business, first and foremost, it, 
it's a great opportunity to get a snapshot of what it means to run your own business. I think a lot of people get into this business thinking, hey, I'm going to open up a restaurant company I'm gonna, and have no idea what that means. And I think when you work for a company, any of the casual dining, large casual dining operators, or any big operators who have great processes and systems back of the house, in front of the house, it helps you understand what it truly means to be the owner. And as the general manager of a Darden restaurant, you were considered the proprietor of the business. You were responsible for the PL, you were responsible for the people, you were responsible for the HR decisions. Obviously, you had resources to help support you, but you always had to be running it like you owned it. Um, mm. And so I think that that was what was really special to me. I think the training development processes, the ability to learn the ropes and, and really think about the business from that perspective really helped you. And I think then the other part was the ability to work all the all the different parts of the business, whether that was the front of the house operations, the culinary operations, or the beverage operations, and figure sure. out how to drive sales, how to get more guest traffic through the building, um, you know, local marketing, you know, and all of those different strategies, as well as leading managers as a general manager and being able to coach them, develop them, which was you know critically important was identifying talent, being able to really figure out how to harness that talent and then develop them into new general managers, which is a critical part of our business. Yeah. We, we, we've certainly heard uh, from some of our other guests, including uh, Pete Carr, who is the president of Bocardi North, North America, and talking about the importance of understanding each aspect of the business that you're in. So the fact that you're in food, beverage, and front of the house and getting to understand the numbers, I think, is huge. In that experience, what was the... When you think about what was uh, one of the more challenging things that you experienced, what what was your biggest challenge when you faced when working with uh, with that business? Yeah, I think it's probably the the same reason I chose to move to Royal, which was the ability to innovate and come up with new ideas. You know, it's a it's a one concept business. You get really good at it, you understand it, and it's like okay, now where's the latitude to go out and do more with it? And, you know, I was blessed because I, I did run the Canadian operations essentially as the operating officer for that market. And so I'd made all the decisions for Canada around menu, around marketing, but it was a much, it was also within parameters of the larger business. And so here at Royal, it allows me this opportunity to really, really be creative in, in how we think about the business. And, and you know, there's never a, a bad idea. Brian probably knows this is that you, you know, sometimes you'll, 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 Think of something, and within weeks of thinking of it, it'll be in test or in implementation, so you can at least see how it works. And I've never seen a business that moves faster in my time, um, and, and definitely not in the hospitality business. And I think it's part of the reason that innovation creates successfulness. And you know, it's uh, with the team the size we are and as quick as we move, it's pretty amazing to see the the results that we deliver. Yeah, and I totally agree with that because we were doing stuff so fast. Sometimes your head spin. You know, it's yeah. like, and if it didn't, and if it didn't work, <clears throat> you try something different, you know, and if you had exactly. to pitch to so-and-so, and I won't say those names, you had to pitch these ideas uh, and it didn't work, you, you kind of moved on. But the levels of creativity, I, I totally, this probably why I consulted with it for so long, you know, I just, right. it just fit. I was like, wow, because we were able to do what nobody else was able to do in a very quick period of time. So, so speaking of that, let's switch gears to uh, talk a little bit about the cruise industry to our, uh, our resident cruise expert, Nathan Dodge. Not call myself a cruise expert, but thanks. Um, no, every year, the, um, our hospitality school, we do a, a hospitality sea trip. And we've been on uh, Royal on, I think, twice, maybe three times. Well, this year, we're supposed to go on a different brand. Clearly, it, it didn't happen. But, um, you know, food and beverage is such a big, big deal. And we, we take these students on these trips. We take them behind the house, back of the house. and They really get to enjoy and experience what's going on. In fact, they actually really enjoy it. 
front of the house because, you know, at four o'clock in the morning, I'm trying to pull them away from the nightclubs and say, you got to get to sleep. You got to go to class tomorrow. But so you're talking right now about how things are changing so quick right now. I'm assuming everything is, well, stuck in the middle of the water. So nothing is changing. So what what are you guys doing right now in order just to, to maintain? Because you do have all these ships out there. So what's going yeah, on? Yeah, I mean, before I address that, you know, I'm sure that's not that's not why you were up at four in the morning on a cruise ship. But anyway, uh, but uh, you know, it, it's an interesting time, obviously, with us not sailing. We've got we've got a lot of work going on in, as it relates to healthy return of service and um, and how we come back uh, to business. So it's it's definitely been an interesting time in our business. It's been challenging to understand uh, how we get back to it. But I think we've got a lot of loyal guests. I think, as you said, you know, the experience on board our ships that your, your, your students experience is what our guests experience every day. They're ready to sail. And we continue to see a lot of demand for our business in, into next year. Um, and we're working through a lot of the, the, the processes and systems that will help us get back uh, to a healthy, healthy return to service, which we're excited about bringing back to our guests soon. I don't know if I answered your question before. No, yeah. yeah, and I can imagine you guys want to get back to work as quickly as um, everyone else. I think it was last year, my wife and I, we had six weeks on different cruises in the entire year. So that's kind of, it's kind of crazy for someone my age. Like for a senior citizen, that's normal, I would assume. But someone in their 40s, it's kind of crazy. Well, that's a good thing you asked. You know, you'd be surprised. <laughs> what did you say? Oh. There's a lot of our guests who are super loyal to the brand. They love they love cruising, and I mean, you know, if you're a cruiser, you, you enjoy it. And to your point, you know, there's people who sail four, five, and six times a year uh, who are really missing missing sailing with us. And so we're excited to be able to bring that back hopefully soon. And especially from people like us who live in a, a port area, we, we've got Fort Lauderdale, and Miami, um, within less than. 20 minutes from both of our houses, from all of our houses. If you live, I guess, in the Gulf Coast or New York, where it's easy to hop on a cruise ship, then for us, it's kind of, it's just second nature. I want to go on a trip next week. Where am I going to go? I go on a cruise. It's easy. Yeah. Quick um, weekend trip to Coco Cay, nothing like it. Yeah, exactly. Three-day trip is, is great. But so much has changed um, from when I first started cruising. Now, I know you've only been with the company for a couple of years, but I, I was, you know, doing some cyber stalking on you and I was reading this article and I guess in 1969, the Song of Norway had two dining venues. And now, how big, how many dining and beverage, food and beverage venues does, do the newest ships have? Yeah, so Symphony of the Seas, which is the biggest ship in the fleet today, we're building Wonder of the Seas right now, which is going to China, which will be slightly bigger. Uh, so um, Symphony, which is the biggest ship in the world, has 65 food and beverage venues on board the ship. That was actually the first ship I opened for the company six months into joining the organization. And... It was, you know, one of the most exciting things I've done in my career, coming on board a ship that holds 10,000 people, to give you perspective. I mean, that's a city. Uh, and opening up bars, restaurants, new concepts. Um, it was, it's it's pretty unbelievable. Everything from, you know, a, a, a seafood concept that's Northeast style seafood concept to a hot dog house to full service buffets to main dining rooms that, that seat and feed 6,000 people a night. You know, it's 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 a pretty unbelievable thing, and and you know, for your for your students who are listening, if you get a chance on Netflix, there's actually um, a, a video on, on um, Mega Kitchens. I think it's what the Mega Mega Foods is the name of the show, and they have a Oasis of the Seas, which was our original uh, Oasis class ship that actually takes you behind the scenes and shows you what it means to run 
you know, 50 or 60 venues on board a ship every single night. It's pretty unbelievable. That's crazy. Yeah, but, I, but I've been there, but not on those big ones, though. I was amazed when we were doing it with 3,000, 4,000 people. And it is, it's quite a, it's in a, every morning, guys, you have a meeting. I mean, you're like, it's, it's quite intense when you do that stuff. So on that kind of, uh, that tone, Lincoln, on that technical side here, you know, uh, like Professor Dodge, I was doing some light stalking. And, uh, but I love the fact that you guys at Royal Caribbean also teamed up with other brands. You created the, the healthy cell panel. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And, you know, when students are doing a little research on that and what a kind of that program is all about? Yeah, for sure. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, we partnered with, uh, Norwegian as we approached this healthy cell panel and, you know, I think the commonality of everybody in the cruise business is that the safety and well-being of our guests and our crew members and the destinations that we visit is, is critically important to our business. And so I think what we're doing is we're evaluating every detail of the experience and we're really trying to make sure that we have unprecedented standards as it relates to safety and healthy return to our business. Um, so with that said, we hired, you know, really the best minds in the business led by Two of the, you know, the foremost leaders uh, in public health, which is Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who you see pretty much on, you know, the TV every, every single day. And then the governor, Michael Levitt, who is the former head of the health and human services for, and governor of Utah. And, he, you know, that department, the health and human services is the department that the CDC works with, obviously, really closely. And so these two gentlemen are our co-chairs. Of the of the joint board between NCL and Royal, and we've got this panel of eight other experts that sit on this board, and they're working together to really re review all of the systems and standards. Now we've got other experts who are working on kind of more of the nitty gritty stuff that we're working through. So this is kind of our, our key final check and balance to validate everything. But we've got teams that have been working around the clock since we've uh, since the no no sale order to really work. Uh, in partnership with all of these experts, the CDC, and make sure that when we come back to to service, that it's the safest place to go on vacation in the world. Um, yeah. Thank you very much, because it, it's very interesting, because, you know, I've experienced things on ships that most people have not, and it's incredibly important that there's that strategy kind of moving forward. So, One of the key points is, I think, once we, once we develop the strategies, we're not only going to share it with you know, our two brands, we're going to share with the cruise industry, we're going to share with the industry as, as a whole, because, you know, we're, everybody's in this COVID thing together, and we're all trying to, to do the best things possible to ensure safety of the, of the general public. And so I think uh, what's really great about the partnership is that we're able to come up with hopefully really good public health measures that are applicable not only to our business, but in general as well. And it's very admirable, I think, to have those partnerships, and, and those partnerships reinforce your commitment to things like like the safety aspect, which is certainly going to be huge moving forward. So I'm sure that's going to serve you well. Uh, as the food guy here, I'm also impressed with some of your uh, celebrity chef partnerships, the Jamie Oliver concepts and, and, and some of the things that you're doing there. I want to understand a little bit about what is your process for developing those kinds of concepts because students in our world will will just kind of you know spitball something. Hey, that's a great idea, and we'll talk about it. But I always try to encourage them to put some meat behind it. What is their process for selection versus just whatever the gut? The gut will help them yeah. only so far, but then moving forward, what what else? So I'd like to understand your process, and then you know the demand for those types of uh, celebrity chef partnerships or other things. 
Yeah, I think as it relates to the process of how we develop concepts, like I said, 18, 18 new concepts in the last, you know, two and a half years. It's if you if you put that anywhere on the map, that's probably some kind of record. But you know, as we do that, we research what the guests are looking for. I think that's the most critical thing that a lot of people come up with a concept without really understanding is, is the is the demand for the concepts. And I think we have an amazing research team that goes out and and really evaluates what guests are looking for. And so, you know, once we get that understanding of what the guests wants are and needs are, we'll go out and then have our product development team do a lot of research. So for example, I'll give you an example. We we developed our barbecue concept. And so on Oasis of the Seas, when we did her um, revitalization, we, we came out with a new concept called Portside Barbecue. Um, and I'm, I'm really passionate about barbecue. We So myself, a few of my team, and a couple of the product development, we flew out to Texas. We rented a minivan. There may have been a case of beer in the back of the van. And we drove from, you know, venue to venue, literally, you know, nine in the morning, to seven in the evening, eating barbecue, you know, tasting barbecue. I feel so bad for you. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, rough. Proper, yeah, yeah. proper boondoggle. Proper boondoggle. Uh, yeah. It was rough. Listen, it was rough work. We, you know, we did the same. So, then, so we did all that research and then we worked. We, we identified a partner um, really to help us just develop the concept and make sure that we were on the right path and help us commercialize it. And then I have on my team a couple of leaders who are who are really experts in commercializing the back of the house. Um, so we went out and identified equipment that will help us get the product as authentic as possible mm-hmm. without using, you know, hardwood burning, which you can't use on board a ship. And so how do you how do you kind of jerry rig uh, a piece of equipment to to use wood chips? And really make sure that you get an authentic product at the end of it. Uh, and so, you know, worked with with people in well-built and Altersham and go, go back and look at equipment and actually have equipment shows where we go out and cook the food again and see how it reacts in each piece of equipment and how much wood you use and what it takes to clean the equipment. So there's a lot of work that happens behind the scenes around sure. all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we go on board the ship and our product development team makes sure the concept looks right. We, you know, down to the music we select, down to the, the plate where... And then we actually, we've done this for most of the concepts and not all of them. We, we built out the restaurant, kind of a rough sketch using plywood, built out a restaurant uh, in our innovation lab. And we'll bring in some executives and we'll, we'll do a tasting. And we actually had a barbecue pit built out with, you know, smokers and actually smoked the food to order and brought it in and did tasting the way we would plate it, get the feedback from, you know, the internal folks and, and really fine tune it before we launch it. And obviously, once we launch the restaurant, that immediate first couple of weeks of the immediate feedback you get from the guests, adjusting on the spot, tweaking, making sure the processes are right till we get the concept 100% to break. So generally, when we launch a new concept, there's a lot of attention specifically for myself and other members of my team that we really put into those new concepts to make sure that we fine-tune them over the first couple of weeks so that by the time we're up and running, we're at 100%. Yeah. Chef Master, that is, doesn't that sound familiar to when we teach advanced restaurant systems? You, you and, know, and a lot of the models sounds, we use, yeah. It sounds so familiar. And you know what? I just love to hear that there's all of that research behind it because any time that we're talking with students, it, you, we're trying to talk with them about the work that you do up front will lessen your risk moving forward. And so it's. I'm well, I like the fact you're doing the constant feedback. We did a hospitality at sea on a, um, a another brand, and it was their first first transatlantic. So it was basically the, the I think it was their third week sailing, and it was the same thing because you could see the change pretty much every day. Tweaks were being made in some of their different concepts because 
It didn't work right the first day, and it kind of worked right the second day, but by day 14, it was working perfectly. And when you're out to sea, that's it's tough to – you can't just bring in new equipment or new machinery. You have to actually change your mindset. So that's really cool that you're doing that. And, and, and more importantly, Lincoln, it, it reinforces uh, Nathan and Brian's and I's uh, direction and request to research scotch in Scotland and take a road trip there. So I think uh, that that's well, we did do we did launch a cocktail bar on on board Navigator and Mariner of the Seas. That was a research trip to New York, where believe it or not, we actually had a consulting firm with us. We did the research on the bars we had to visit and the pool bars we had to visit. And so we went oh. to New York for a day and a half and visited bars. And then we flew to Vegas and visited bars for a day and a half. Research um, and development, my friend. Yes, Research and yeah. development. Uh, I'm sure bars. I know a couple of the guys. Yeah, that's so. the next. We got, we got the pool bars are on next. But the, the team that Lincoln has are just such, I mean, I'll say characters, but also professionals. They, they really know their stuff. Uh, I don't mind saying, you know, that uh, Thomas Shemansky is definitely as big of a character as he, he gets the job done. Uh, so, you know, he really does. And I, I saw him do something when we had no power in a shipyard in Freeport, Bahamas, um, the Millennial Class ship. I don't know what year it was, but it was absolutely amazing. And he had the whole culinary team out in the main dining room doing canesthetics in the morning because he's like, I'm going to keep motivated. I'm like, okay, chef, whatever you want to do. So, yeah, um, you know, that's part of being successful in our business is surrounding yourself with great people and having a great team. I'm very blessed, you know, to represent the 27,000 employees that run food and beverage at Royal Caribbean. I mean, I've got a great team shoreside, but we're a small piece of the larger workforce that comes from all around the world operating our ships. And, you know, it's, it's mind boggling to me to have, a team of 27,000 people to look after, I guess, um, you know, on a small country around the world. Yeah, it literally yes. is. So <laughs> it's pretty unbelievable. Uh, and they do truly exceptional work on board our ships. And that's why I guess have such great experiences. And it's a small country from people from, uh, every single country. So we're, you're not talking, <laughs> it's not just all Americans. It's you've no. got teams from everywhere. That's right. So that's that's yeah. really the amazing part is that you can all get them together and happy and working and friendly. We've got a lot of students that are super interested in, in joining the cruise industry. And what advice would you give to them as they approach their schooling or they look to explore career opportunities within your field? Yeah, so maybe I'll start a little bit of just generally about hospitality. You know, mm-hmm. The world of food and beverage has really come into the limelight since kind of the emergence of the Food Network. And people look at it and say, wow, that looks like a lot of fun. I, I love the business. And so it's great for bringing new people into an industry, but it's not an easy business, right? And I think you guys know that. And so as people come into the business, I'd say, number one, passion is key. You've really got to care about wanting to do this. It's, it's got to be more than, hey, I just want to be in, in a restaurant because, you know, the first couple of years of your career is not going to be easy. I mean, I, I can, you know, I can quickly go back to my days of washing dishes, serving tables, throwing people out of the uh, bars that were drunk, you know, all of the, all of the jobs that I've done in the business. Uh, and, and, you know, you've got to have a level of humility um, no matter where you work in this industry and no matter what you do in this industry. So I think being willing to do any job in our business is, is the first piece to being successful in the industry. I think as it relates to cruise, it's probably a great first job in the business is 
being willing to sign up and go on board a ship and really learn what it means because it's completely different from being in a corporate cruise business. And I think if you want to, um, if you want to start somewhere, I think going on board a ship and starting an entry level job or, you know, entry level management position is really great. We do have a few, um, uh, internships that we have every year when we're operating. And so that's always a really good opportunity to, to try and pursue those. I think last year we had, uh, I want to say 140 interns across the organization. Um, at our, at our head offices. So I think, you know, as we get back into service and we reemerge that program, then it's always a great opportunity. Um, but, you know, we hire people every single day to work on board our ships. And so that's probably a really good way to get your foot in the door, have an opportunity to understand what it means to work on board a ship. And, you know, as a young person, it's probably a chance to see the world and, and, you know, it's hard work. There's no, no doubt, but hard work didn't kill anyone. Um, it's an opportunity to go out there and, and see the world a bit and, learn the, the ropes, so to speak, on board one of our ships. Great. Are there a lot of opportunities for the American students or is it just for the national or for both? I think for every for everybody. There's there's opportunities for anybody and everybody who wants to work on board a ship and frankly in every function within hospitality, whether that's you know in food and beverage, whether that's in the in hotel operations, whether it's in any other part of the business that you're interested in and that your, your career may be swinging towards as you finish your, your degree. Uh, it, it is hard work, you know, and that's the other thing. And, and when I have the opportunity to talk about the cruise experience or even teach cruise operations, I just tell the students, I said, you know, this is a 24-7 operation, you know, and what you see as a guest is different from what you see in the operational standpoint. And I think honesty is the best approach. It's, a, it's an amazing career path. I mean, I love my, my time uh, learning and working with individuals in the cruise industry, but it's, Lincoln, as you know, it's a tough business. You know, all, like you said, all the hospitality, the restaurant segment, all of us. Yeah, it's a tough, yeah. tough business. So good stuff. So, what do you, what do you think, gentlemen? One that you're gonna put your heart to for sure, and you're gonna love. You're gonna love it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's the the passion. Yeah, probably why we all teach it, right? Exactly. Absolutely. So uh, let's have a little bit of fun and uh, start our speed rail. Okay. So, so Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> exactly. As previously discussed, we uh, we customize. Uh, I got to stand up. If you need to stretch out, guys, you can. We customize our speed rail questions for all our guests. Uh, and today is if you are now. This is also you know current uh, conversation. But if you are stranded on Coco Cay in the Bahamas, if you are stranded on Coco Cay in Bahamas, the food and beverage edition is it going to be a this or that type question? So we're going to start to the food, and then you have to choose. And as Indiana Jones says in the, uh, what is it, the... Uh, the Temple of Doom, we'll say. Who knows? No, no, it was the uh, Raiders. Matrix. Huh? No, no, no. No, no, which no. one was it? The Holy Grail. The pills. Choose wisely. Choose wisely and edit if that out. If I was out. stuck on Coco K and you're going to give me two choices and I got to give you the one that I think, okay. I got you're it. So. Smart guy. I like that. All right, let's go to the food side first. You got two choices there. So... Red Lobster, Cheddar Biscuits, or a Tim Horton donut selection? Uh, Tim Horton's all day. Oh, my God. He's going against the Red Lobster. Those biscuits are good, though. Yeah, good biscuits, good man. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, I'm Canadian, man. Timmy is. Timmy's, yeah, Timmy's, so Timmy's. Tim Horton. All right. So hey. we know you spent some time in California as well, uh, as well as up and down the East Coast. So that next point in the choose here, is it going to be In-N-Out Burger or Shake Shack? Uh, that's a hard one. Uh, shake Shack. Shake Shack. 
All right, Shake Shack. All right, Danny Meyer, Randy Garudi. There you go. He's happy about that. Um, My good friend Chip Way is the president of the U.S. So he'd be upset if I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So because you spent a good amount of time on that Canadian border, um, and uh, are we going this or that now? Detroit style pizza. Let me add Detroit Rock City style pizza or poutine. Poutine. Oh my God! Dodge is smiling over there. I don't even know what Detroit Rock style pizza it means. Oh well, it's Detroit Rock City, and that's definitely a great kiss reference. But or poutine. So here are your choice. You have to choose wisely. Is it going to be a corkscrew or a blender? You're stranded corkscrew. on corkscrew. All right, yeah. all right, cork dork like myself. So the classic question we love to ask: that breakfast wine is it going to be rosé or bubbles? Bubbles. Bubbles. You know, Lee Schreiger said the same thing. We like that one. All right. So we're moving into the afternoon now. Uh, are we going to do uh, a little uh, Chateau Petrus or, right, Sasakaya? Petrus. Really? I would have gone Sasakaya on that one. Gentlemen, what do you think? You're going to go to Italy or France? I'm going to Italy. Sasakaya. I'm going to drink that. <laughs> Says the rum guy up in the corner yeah. box there. Perfect. Yeah, rum so, guy. Al, you know, just for fun, because we're doing this really well, we're going to go to the blender side as well. So, Mr. Lincoln, pina colada or a margarita? Margarita. With or without salt? Without. Of course, it's going to be a Patron product. Uh, and just because uh, it's fruity and uh, a Miami Vice, oh, good God, or a mudslide? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Mudslide? Mudslide? Uh, neither. Uh, neither. <laughs> Dodge, mudslide or oh, Miami, Miami Vice? Miami Vice. Miami Vice. Uh, yeah, that, we knew that because I was looking at you when I asked it, so it's all good. <laughs> Chef John Noble Massey, Miami Vice or a mudslide? Miami Vice. Uh, Lincoln, I'm with you. I'm going mudslide, Block Island, Payne's Dock, one of my favorite places in the world. So because you are a food and beverage guy, we love asking a few key questions. And today we're going back to our classic, our final final. So uh, <laughs> in our world of... Uh, F&B, our last drink of the night, our final, final. What are you going to have? Now, we took Fernet off the board, not for you, but for Nathan Dodge and myself. Uh, we've had been very colorful. John Massey, uh, Vintage Port is still off your board on that one. But uh, let's let Lincoln think a little bit about that. So your final, final, the last drink of the night. All right, Nathan Dodge, what it's going to be? Um, Jägermeister ice cold right out of the freezer. How about the Jäger tap? I want one. My wife won't let me get one. Yeah, it's a matter of time. She's going to let me get one. Yeah, just break, break her down. I don't know. Like kneading dough. All right, Chef John Noble Massey, final, final, no vintage pork for you. What's going to be? Amaretto and a snifter. Ooh, amaretto and a snifter. Interesting. All right, so uh, I'm going to take a little one out of Lincoln's book, though, and uh, nothing wrong with a little bubbles, a little proper Vouvetico at the end of the night because, A, it keeps my missus incredibly happy. How is that, huh? Uh, so so if, if Lauren Yuzinski, the future uh, Lauren Connors, is listening, Clico is the word. All right, Lincoln, no pressure now. No pressure. What's going to be that final, final link of the night? <laughs> Lincoln of the night. Uh, drink of the night. <laughs> Oakwood for neat. Mm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that. We were writing about that today. That's good. That, that's pretty darn good. Dodge, that's in your wheelhouse. No, and, and Woodford, I'll drink all night, but for the final, final, I just want a little something, something different so I could go to bed. But yeah, I, 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 was, I was thinking about my future wife. You know? Ah, I like I it. I know though. that Brian likes a, uh, the bubbles. The problem is he'll, 
He'll say, oh, I'm going to just grab one more drink. Oh, let me go over here and talk to someone. And then you never see him again. He disappears. Yes. He vanishes. Ladies and gentlemen, the Irish goodbye. The Irish exit also known <laughs> as the, the Newport goodbye. <laughs> so that's how it works. Yeah. Good night, everybody. So it's all good. Lincoln, brother, thank you so much for the time this today. This was a lot of Convers- fun. Conversation yeah, yes. is great. A Our tremendous amount of fun. Cruise industry professional, and we got the big dog himself, the vice president of culinary dining and beverage. So say, hey, hey Lincoln, you liking the cruise industry? Loving it. Good, Can't man. wait to get back to business. But hopefully once this is over, we can get together and have an actual drink together. And if you ever want me to come by and talk to your students, let me know. We, so I think we, we should be, meet Be careful what ship. you ask for. <laughs> meet on the ship. We should, should come to our school. We should go there. Well, you know, we got to remember there's a lot of things going on there, but Lincoln will take you up in that offer. So Lincoln, thank you very much for your time. We do appreciate it. And remember, gang, if you have any questions about the Bacardi Center of Excellence or anything we got going on this fall, please feel free to reach out to myself at bconnors at fiu.edu. And of course, talk to your advisor about our up and coming courses. We look forward to seeing you on campus and we hope to see you on campus. So everyone be safe out there. Yeah. Nathan Dodge, any closing comments, sir? Uh, like us on iTunes, leave us a, um, a message, leave us a review. Tell us you like us. Tell us you hate us. Don't tell us you hate us. Just tell us That'll you like us. That would be nice. Um, find us on Facebook if you haven't already. Like us there. Um, don't forget we are doing Bacardi Talks coming up. So if you haven't reserved a space yet, reserve a space. Um, you can do it on the uh, two bar schools. What else, John? I am happy that we are celebrating our 700th download today. And so, and I would equally love to hear people uh, other than our moms reviewing our podcast. That would be, uh, we still only have those three reviews and, and also say hello. Uh, We did not say hello to our French listener. Bonjour. And I, I saw, we also have someone in the Netherlands. So, Around the world, around the world. Yep. All right, guys, that's like enough out of you, too. So, Lincoln, again, okay. thank you, brother. We appreciate it. Everyone be safe. We'll see you soon. All right, bye-bye. Adios.